2: Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection Now, with your hosts, Nikki Norlock and Richard O'Shields, bringing your inner life to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody to this edition of Everyday Connection Now. I'm Richard O'Shields, and I have here, in some unknown direction, because I'm not where I usually am, Nikki Norlock.
3: Hey, Nikki. Hello. I think, How are you?
2: I think the universe is just trying to tell me to give up on the, you know, Nikki's to my left, my right, my over there. Just, come on, give it up.
1: Why don't you just say north of me? Because I'm always north of you.
2: Well, that's true. You're always north, the Lady of the North, the, up there. <clears throat>
1: yes, until I decide that I've had enough of this crap and move south.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's amazing these people that defend their place and you know how wonderful it is and all of that, and then they spend all winter. You know, it's cold. It's cold. It's too cold. It's cold. And I'm thinking, okay, I know you're born in Canada and all, but there's warmer places, but. And you've moved all over the place. What? No. Yeah. And I just tease. Well, I...
1: actually, it's it's it, it's in the game plan. We've already talk, talked about it. The, we're gonna stay. We're gonna stay until the kids are out of the house, and then we're gonna revisit that whole concept of um, being a full time Canadian.
2: Hey, yeah, you know, it's apparently a trend. There's an article about Americans. There's a whole bunch of them signing off. Celebrities. Yeah, I'm and... thinking the normal people part-time
1: Canadian works for me
2: that works I have to tell you the summer in Canada I've been a number of times to the summer in Canada and it is phenomenally gorgeous
1: freaking awesome yeah Yeah, it
2: is it's actually
1: the thing is spring (sighs) summer and fall here are amazing and for people who like snow sports um, and winter sports, then this is definitely the country to, to
3: oh, live yeah. in or one of
1: the sure. countries to live in. But we're not winter sports type of people. So, there it is.
2: Yeah, and I've had some people say to me when, you know, you know, I'm from Houston or, you know, now I live in Phoenix, or I like my seasons, and that's perfectly legit, you know. No reason not to have them hey, if you want them.
1: I'm all for I'm all for my seasons too. Spring, summer, fall. Summer somewhere and else. And then we'll go
2: summer somewhere that's else. Still so, <laughs> that's, that's
1: still four seasons.
2: That's still four seasons. Yeah, yeah.
3: Summer uh, somewhere else. I used to tell
2: them that about Houston. I said, sometimes we have all four seasons in one week. <clears throat> so, yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: it can be that's fun. So awesome. So, speaking of fun, we have we have a guest tonight. Well, we always have a guest.
1: We do?
3: Yes.
2: And uh, we have a special guest this evening. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um... We have with us, what should we say? We're going to quit announcing people as author, this, that, and the other thing. It's awesome human being, Terry Rays. Hey, Terry, how you doing?
4: Hi, I am doing wonderfully. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Nikki. I am so enjoying this opportunity to be with you guys tonight.
2: Well, I'm thrilled that you could join us and shave some time out of your schedule. That's awesome.
1: Oh, I was very happy to have you. So we have the the big question that we have to ask, and we might as well get right to it. It's a tough one, so I hope you studied. <laughs> Terry, who on earth yes. are you, and what do you do?
4: I am an author. I'm a mother. I um, spend my days and nights trying to make this world a better place, and um always inspire my sons and continues to write at night. Cool. What do you write about? That's, that's I the question.
2: Write, She's night I drug. write
4: political suspense. Um, that's where I feel most comfortable. I think that's where I can make a difference. I became a writer to make a difference. Um, but the journey to becoming a writer is very incredible. It took a lot of... Um, of bumps and, and extraordinary journeys to bring me to this place, but I would do, that, do it all over again for this opportunity to um, make a difference in life and with, um, again, with um, people that are struggling and um, are doubting themselves. I want to be here to say nothing's impossible. Everything. That you can imagine or dream can come into fruition. Just accept it.
1: Absolutely. But
3: then the key me. question is:
1: absolutely, um, and and you're right. Nothing is impossible, and everything that you desire can be yours without much effort. I might add. Um, really, all you have to do is open up your heart, your mind, and go,
3: "Yeah,
1: give me, take it." But Absolutely. how did you, and how did you get, how did you come to that conclusion though? Like, is that something that you always knew or did you have one of those aha moments after Dark Night of the Soul, like so many of us have done?
4: No, um, I knew actually from a very young age um, that I needed to, that I loved the written word and I loved to read and actually I had a nice, extraordinary teacher in third grade who had a novel on her desk uh, called Withering Heights. I asked my teacher ah. if I could read this book. And she said, you can, if you can sit down after every chapter and explain to me what is, you know, your understanding of this novel. And that was magic. And from that point on, I just, I mean, although I don't write that genre but but that that classic book changed my entire life, and I knew at a very young age that I had to be a writer. I, it was just it was something that was as natural to me as as breathing. Makes sense. It's one
1: of those things that you just have to do, and I understand that as a writer.
2: I've come to understand that, working write. with a writer.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I don't think that it is just, you know, that it, it just encompasses writing. I think that any person, you know, whether it is a musician, an artist, I think that it's kind of a, I mean, certain people, it's, it's born in their soul. And um, those who pursue it, you know, that are that are guided and, had the courage to pursue it, you know, from the beginning, are are just, you know, heroes in their own respect. Some of us, like me, you know, I had to, you know, take other steps to get back to that. I mean, although I did it, I mean, although I wrote and studied and, and did this for so many years, when I graduated from high school and went on to college, I took the route that my my beloved family said, you know, oh, you need to be in corporate America. You need to do this, you need to do that. And because I came from such a strong, loving um, family, which had very strong women who were pioneers, you know, way before I even took my first breath, my grandmother, for example, who became the first woman contractor, real estate agent, um, accountant in the state of Iowa, I mean in the thirties and the forties, I had very oh, that's strong
3: cool.
4: it was and I had very strong women and my mother my mother, who back in the day i'm fifty six but so back in the day, most mothers stayed home and were housewives my mother chose a career, so I had you know these one this wonderful plateau of inspiration to you know oh my gosh all you know that, but at the same time they wanted me to follow their path. And so, I, you know, for so many years I did because I, I admired them, respected them so deeply that I wanted to, you know, aspire to their dreams instead of my own, and that was a mistake. Uh-oh. It wasn't a mistake to trust and love and respect them. but It was a mistake not to follow my own true calling.
2: Yes, and that, that it is. I tried to avoid mine for a long time, and it didn't work out so well, really.
4: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think that we all have a, a responsibility to to take our own steps in life, and hopefully, by doing so, we can set a better path, a different path, a unique path. You know, I mean, I um, to be more than than to embrace the contrast. I mean, it takes a lot of um, courage and, you know, guts <laughs> to, to, you know, to, to, want to aspire to that contrast. And it's easier to do the path of least resistance to say, okay, well, this is what my mother's, this is what my father's mother did, this is what my mo- mom did, and so I should do the same thing and it just didn't feel right with me. It's like, no, I really don't want to marry young and have children yet. I I want to I want to live life. I want to, you know, grab my education but do what I think is best for me. And that was tough. That was a tough decision. But it's a healthy one. And
1: that's the thing. Um certainly I'm I'm the artistic black sheep of the family. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there's many people in my family, uh, those of them that are left, I should say, uh, in my extended family that think I'm absolutely nuts to live the way I live. Um, certainly, my husband's family thinks he's absolutely nuts to live <laughs> the way he lives. And uh, it, but we're happy, and that's the thing, you know, because we're following our passion, we're following our hearts, we're following. What what is right for us and therefore we're happy, we're balanced, we're well-adjusted and we're able to raise two tiny humans who aren't so tiny anymore that will also have balanced, well-adjusted lives where they're being taught to follow their passion and to do what feels right for them and that they don't have to to grow up and be like us because that's weird. Why would I have I don't want a little mini me running around the planet. I mean, one of me on this planet is bad enough.
2: <laughs> I'm not a photocopy <laughs> machine, okay? I'm a person.
1: I'm not. I don't I right. don't, you know, I don't support cloning. Um, and I think that I think that the beautiful part about our planet is this amazing diversity that we have. And yet we we have this tendency to try and push upon our children our expectations. And a lot of the time, sadly enough, it, it comes from this sense of failure within ourselves that, well, I didn't get to do everything I, I set out to do or plan to do, so I'm going to succeed vicariously through my child.
4: Oh, and that, absolutely. That's the truth on every level. But my, I have two sons. One is 15, one is 23. I was, I was a late mom in life by choice, and I do not regret that. And, it, and, and my 15-year-old keeps me on my toes all day long. But what I've always told my children is find your own dream. Find your own purpose. You you don't have to um, aspire to who I am or to anyone else. You own that. You know, go forward, you know, um, make your own path in life, and celebrate that path on every step. And every loss and every bump in the road to this world, and you will always become stronger. So, unlike where I came from, and although they were all of good intention, the same thing like you were saying, Nikki. You know, we all, you know, we, you know, to put our children in that category and say, okay, you need to follow my dreams and my world because I didn't, I didn't succeed or fulfill my dreams, is, is ludicrous. Um, I tell my kids, you know what, I just want you to be happy, and you don't have to please me. I'm happy if you are doing what you want to be, you know, you know what you want to b- become. I will be happy then. You know, I'm not, I will set your, I will, you know, set rules and regulations in terms of being good, good people and, you know, having... Um, Boundaries at this time, but you know what? you will find your own place i 'm just here to teach you i 'm not here to own you i 'm just here to try to to I will constantly love you without condition, and I will be on your side, but I will also have the courage to say, My sons, you know what that 's the wrong decision so I mean um in the great scheme of it all i 'm not here. To own my children, I'm here to set my children free, and that's what I think that we need to do in life. You know, let everybody you know respect everybody's differences, and you know, embrace the diversity, and know that we are becoming a greater population, a populace, and world because of our diversity.
1: Absolutely, could not agree with you more.
2: Amen. We need
1: to do. We yeah. yeah, um, yeah, I mean, isn't, it's beautiful, though. I mean, you look out, out look nature. Mother Nature is, is extremely diverse. And you don't see the dog yelling at the cat because it's a dog. No. And you don't see the duck yelling at the goose because it's a goose. You just don't see that. Okay, no. you speak no. goose and I, I speak, you know, parakeet. Therefore, we must be enemies now and forever. It's it's not something you see in nature, um, and it's it's so odd that we have adopted that belief structure within our society. And thankfully, yeah. we're outgrowing it. You know, it's it's thankfully we are outgrowing it, and we're we're coming into, you know, we're coming out of our adolescence and into our adulthood, and we're 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 ceasing to act like spoiled children. Which is fun to watch because I I love seeing the changes that are happening in our world, but it's such an odd choice that we made. You know, I yeah. mean, why did we do that?
2: Wait, wait, I have to quit being a spoiled brat, child. Oh, no. <laughs> Absolutely.
4: If that works for you, then you should be that. But to your point, Nikki, in my home, I mean, we've had, we have you know, the little dogs, and we have cats, and we have hamsters, we've had bunnies. And what's so extraordinary that my children have had the opportunity to see is that the cat and the bunny are friends. They're not enemies. Yeah. The cat and the hamsters are friends. Nobody tries to kill each other, you know. And the dogs and the cats, I mean, my dogs are so uh, maybe noted as dysfunctional that when I walk them, they run up to all these cats and think they're their best friends. And the cats are going, no, I'm going to slap you in the face with my claws. And they're like, what is going on? Because in our home, everybody works together, you know, everything works, you know. So that's another diversity on its own. And, and yes, you know, every, every different experience and loving experience works. And in our home, it all works. It, you know, the, the hamster and the cat can be in the same, you know, on the same sofa together and no one's trying to hurt anyone. The bunny and the dog can be together and no one's trying to hurt anyone and so, you know, and so forth. So, I mean, it, it, Mother Nature is beautiful. And I think that, that it's, it's a lesson in which I told my children. I said, see, I mean, enemies are friends. So you need to work mm-hmm. to make that same way in life. You know, not everything that seems to be um, negative is negative. it it always works out for our greater good.
1: Oh, yeah, inevitably. There's there's so many times in my own life that I can look back and, and think of in the moment I was terrified and angry and embittered. And I look back now and I think that without all of those, events falling into place exactly when they did. I couldn't possibly be where I am now, loving the people that I love now, getting to do the work that I do now. It took all of that, the good and the bad, to happen at the time that it happened to get me to today. And I freaking love today. I love oh, well, my that, life.
4: Yes. I'm- I embrace every day. And and what's so extraordinary is... Um, my son, my youngest son, Corey. Uh, when he w- was born, it it was we had some really problems, and through those problems, I ended up with fibromyalgia, which then evolved into into fibromyalgia and rheumatoid arthritis. And I had the, this you know you know small you know little baby. I had a seven year old son, and all of a sudden. I was sick for the first time in my life, but in the grand grand scheme of it all, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I would not be writing novels today if I didn't have to hit rock bottom physically, emotionally, mentally, you know, and um, feeling like my body was at war with, you know, was was at war with itself. But what I did... I mean, I don't. Again, you know, the universe works in, per, in its own time and in perfect ways. What I did is that I did not subscribe to all of the litany of drugs that that these doctors wanted me to consume. If I would have, exactly, I wouldn't be here today. Because in the exactly. United States, that's what they do.
1: Is it? Eight? That's what they do in Canada too. I'm a fibromyalgia girl, you know. Um, I know. It's And and the thing is, is that come to a choice point in that moment. And, and the, the beautiful thing about life is that every moment is a, is a choice point. But in that moment, when you're that low and you're literally curled up in a corner somewhere, bawling your eyes out, tired of being in pain, asking God, okay, you know, just take me home, please, because I'm not going to take my own life, but do me the favor and just end it, because I've had enough, I'm done. Yeah. But I agree, and I understand. They tell you there's no cure, so we're going to have to give you medication for the rest of your life to manage the pain. And the medication is no joke. It's not funny. It is devastating to your physical well-being. It makes you sick. It makes you stupid and woozy and out of control your moods go off the chart you're up you're down you're sideways you're backwards you're inside out you never know from one minute to the next how you're going to feel i swear i swear the medication is worse than the actual disease and the thing there is there is a
4: cure for the disease there is and, and i i have to say i mean unfortunately i lost two people that i know to which had fibro and ra young, I mean, women that were, you know, in their early 40s, and it devastates me, and I was, you know, that is one of my plans to do, I, um, to bring this forth and say, you know what, it doesn't have to, It never, you never have to die from it, and you know what, you don't have to let it cut your life and limit your life, because um, there were days, to be honest, I mean, oh my gosh, there were days when... Just to get out of bed I mean and, and you don 't sleep because anytime you move you're in constant vibrating pain from your head to your toe but what I did was I decided to take inventory of what didn't hurt and maybe the one day I could say my hair doesn't hurt or maybe another day I could say my eyelashes my my eyes don't hurt that was good enough you know and I, I embraced that good enough and when my um, RA specialist, fiber, you know, whatever, told me I'd be in a wheelchair. They told me I'd be in a wheelchair, oh, let me see, 14 years ago within six months? I said no. But what I did was I said this is my body. This is my choice. And I um, took a different route. I decided to, I, I, I found a book by, you know, the, again, the universe called by Abraham and mm-hmm. Hicks called Ask and it is Given. I read that book and I read that book over and over within like three weeks. And I decided I can do this. And so I was really confident in what I could do. So I started working out five minutes a week, three days, five minutes at a time, three days a week. I went to my RA specialist and said, hey, victory, I was able to work out that da, da, da," and and. My doctor said, oh, no, you can't do that. You're going to destroy your joints. And I, and I was devastated. She said, I had your test results back. And your RA has, has infiltrated your body so quickly, I've never seen this happen before. And she said, you have to go home and tell your family you're going to be in a wheelchair within six months. And then after that, you may die of heart disease and all this and that. I walked out of there to never return. And I said, I'm done. And... And so I made my own changes. First of all, I started to, I know this sounds cruel and crass, but those people in my life that sucked my will to live, I distanced myself from. That was the first thing I did. Yes,
1: girl, absolutely. If it's making you miserable, I don't care if it's your job, if it's your husband, if it's your freaking mother. If they are making you miserable, if they are causing you to doubt your self-worth, if they're causing you to doubt your purpose and your place in this world, then you need to put up a barrier between you and that energy. You have to, if you're going to heal this disease, you have to take care of yourself first and that means getting rid of all the negativity in your world. Absolutely, it's, but it's
4: absolutely essential. But what? But people can't, you know, Nikki, you know this, If they can't see the disease. They don't understand the disease. You know what I mean? If you yeah. can't see like tumors hanging out of your body or anything like that, they think, oh, well, oh, my gosh, it's not real. And, you know, and that was another, you know, thing. It's like, oh, well, you know what? I don't care what you think. It is real. And I'm going to, I am going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the boards. I'm going to fight this, you know. But it didn't matter to me what other people thought in that respect. But those that suck my way to live they had to be gone. And that was hard. And then you were called selfish. You know, and, you know, when you mm-hmm. had to get up every morning and, and and when you have this disease, these diseases, what people don't realize is that you have to constantly think about every movement you make, whether it is to button yes, a shirt sure. or choose not to button a shirt and go, I'm going to throw on a sweatshirt so I don't have to button a shirt. You know, whether it is... Or, uh, sometimes, I'm not gonna, I,
1: or sometimes you can't even go to the extent of getting your pajamas off and a shirt on. Some days, it's just screw it. I'm just going to spend the day in my pajamas because to pull a shirt over my head is too excruciating and there's nobody here to help me get dressed. I had days where I had to get help getting dressed. I was in my early 30s. That's
4: insane. I was
3: 42.
4: I was 42 and I've been, you know, here's the dichotomy. All my life, I'd been—I um, I trained as a dancer, ballet, tap, and all that. I had always worked out. I'd always been in great shape. You know, with the doctors, you know, all my specialists said, "Oh, good, this is why this, this hasn't consumed you yet." Okay. Anyway, um, you know, you know, here I was. You know, I had a baby at 41. You know, and um, went back to work six weeks later you know, I mean, all good, you know, working full time and all that, and then th- this crap hit me, and it hit me hard, and it hit me bad, but you're right, you know, everything is a conscious effort, you know, and you know, for most people, you don't have to think about lifting your foot to get into the bathtub, so you can turn on the hot water on high, because the heat makes you feel better and alive, even though you're burning your skin off the, you know, your flesh off your, your bones, but at the same time, it worked, you know, so what I did was I, I took away those in my life that sucked my well I just And I've always loved water, bottled water. And I, I just started drinking water, drinking water. And then I started, okay, I, I, I researched herb supplements, you know. So I started taking all these different vitamins. I wasn't going overboard, but I took all this, you know, took these vitamins. But then I found that meditation was a great benefit. 15 minutes a day I meditated, but the saving grace was I had a masseuse. Now, the insurance companies in the United States will not pay for a masseuse on any level, but the, but when she came in and worked on me the first time and probably removed, like, I don't know, 50 knots from my, or no, actually, she said 200 knots from my body, I walked outside, out, outside to my backyard, and my former husband was, was there, And he started crying. He goes, my God, I haven't seen you walk upright in five years. And I said, I can't tell you how good I feel. And then I started working. I continued my workout. I worked out, you know, from five minutes a day to 15 to 30 to an hour, you know. And, again, I had to be selfish. I had to say, you know what, in order for me to be the parent, the friend, the daughter, you know, to be the whole package I had to take care of me first, but the greatest Mm -hmm. thing was, here's where the writing comes in. I said, I'm going to follow my dream. I'm going back to, I'm going to write. I gave up the corporate job and all the high, you know, benefits, the high dollars and all that and said, I'm done. I am going to stay home. I'm going to write my novels, I'm going to raise my youngest son for a couple, you know, to be at home with my youngest son and my oldest son, and you know what, this is what I'm going to do. So I gave it all up, and it was the greatest thing I ever did, and I will never regret having fibro and RA, because by having those, you know, uh, quote, diseases, I became a much better, grounded person, healthier person than I could have done without it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: I agree. I'm very grateful for, for my fibromyalgia because it has taught me how to live well. Exactly. It's taught me how to have a relationship with my body. It's taught me how to find joy in simple things. It's taught me how to have appreciation for simple things. It's taught me how important it is to follow my heart and my passion. It's taught me how important it is to keep... I focus on the positive and to surround myself with people that uplift me and inspire me. Absolutely. Everything that I have learned has been a direct result of me desiring to no longer be in pain. And I tell you what, I, I'm not. I'm not in pain. I don't Neither have I. the problems I used to have. I'm pain-free. I am a fibromyalgia patient with a fracture in my spine and two herniated discs and I am pain free, and, and you know I what? have been I had pain free now for six months and going strong.
4: You know what, sweetie, and it's only going to get better because, I mean, this happened when I was uh, forty-two. I'm fifty-six now, and I also had de- degenerative spinal disease. In fact, I in fact they could not figure out where a disc in my back went, but anyway, it's gone, and um, I have. I, you know, come on, I'm 56 years old, I can work out 90 minutes a day, every except for the last month because I broke all my toes and my foot. But anyway, um, I can work out 90 minutes a day, six days a week, you know, and I'm 56. I don't need, I'm not on high blood pressure medicine, I'm not on high cholesterol medicine, I'm not on anything other than allergy medicine. And you know what, to me that's a victory, but to me it is more a victory that, I can get up every morning and not even think about, you know, how to move, how, you know, how to button a shirt, what clothes I have to wear, or any of that. What people don't understand and what they will never know is when you have that um, ailment, um, everything, every moment you spend thinking about, how do I grab this knife? How do I pick up my child? How, you know, and when I had this, I had a little baby, and, you know, and and for those five years, I'm, you know, that was incredible because I had to lift this this child up into a high chair and go, God, help me do this. And to be honest, I actually dropped him twice, which broke my heart. You know, it's like, oh, my God. Now, he wasn't hurt or harmed by that, but I was emotionally. But you know Mm -hmm. what? I think I have come to the conclusion that fibro is a manifestation of a lot of negative happenings to our bodies mentally emotionally and physically and once we take control and say i'm worth it you know and and now i'm riding my own life i do not give court to circumstances i choose to take the ride to embrace the contrast and you know what i i have to work very hard every day i tutored, I've taught, you know, I I had eighteen hour days all day. You know, up until this last year when I said, Okay, I'm only gonna do writing. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna, you know, mm-hmm. balance all those other things. And you know what? It worked. And there we don't have to be a victim to any disease anymore. There you know, there's so think- many outlets and so many ways we can heal ourselves.
1: And I think you tapped into something really important quickly before we go to break, is that it is, that I discovered the same thing. And for people listening, Terry and I just met, what was it, two weeks ago? Yes. Right. So these are two stories. You live in the U.S. I live in Canada. We have never worked together to, to cure ourselves. We, ha- we didn't meet through a fibro group, anything like that. This is two individual oh journeys that came to the exact same conclusion by following individual paths to wellness. And my conclusion is the same as yours, is that fibromyalgia is nothing more than the body's natural reaction to toxicity within the body. And that can be physical toxicity, environmental, emotional, mental, energetic. All of those things combine and the body goes, oh, hell no, and it starts sending you warning signals. And if you don't acknowledge those signals at first, they are just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger until your body is screaming at you, telling you something's wrong, you have to fix this, you will die if you don't fix this. And I honestly believe that at fibromyalgia patients, are some of the most sensitive people on the planet. Many of them are very strong empaths. And it is because yes. they are empathic that their bodies react so violently to toxic energy and to toxins in their, in, in their system, physical toxins that we take in through food. Um, right. It, it plays a large part of that. Like you said, it's, it's a combination of all of that. And once you start systematically going through everything in your life that is toxic, relationships, things that you're eating, lifestyle that you're living, the entertainment that you're, you're providing yourself or well, what are you feeding your brain with? Are you watching crap on TV or are you simulating your brain? All of these things are things that you have to take into consideration. And then once you start going through that list and you start making small changes at a time, systematically, that suit you, all of a sudden you wake up one day and go, holy shit, I'm not in pain. How did that
4: happen? You know what, Nikki, uh, unfortunately most, I mean like 98% of all fibro patients are women. And women take a lot. You know, we have to deal with a lot of issues, you know, whether we're mothers or not mothers, daughters, sisters, whatever. And here's the thing. Um, I think I think what, what it comes down to is that you have to become cognizant of what is right, like you said, within you. And and by doing so, you will make enemies and in, 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 in you will probably, there will be family members that will say, oh, I don't want anything to do with that person. You know, because they're not mm-hmm. serving my well-being, they're serving their well-being. And that's a really, a really difficult line to walk, but at the same time, it's a line of freedom. You have to say, no, enough, enough. You know what, before I can be the best to my family, to my friends, to uh, more important, you know, to my children. Yes, you know, you got to say I got I got to be selfish. I got to reel this in and make sure that I am feeling the best I can feel. And you know, yes, and diet is huge. I have never been a really big fan of. Uh, I I'm in the the middle America, you know, where beef and all the red meat is, is abundant and all that. Well, I never really liked it, but you know what? You grew up with it. I got rid of beef. I got rid of dairy. That's just me, and I'm not going to say for anybody else they need to do that, but it was just me. I got rid of all of that. I've never been on, I haven't been on caffeine in 30 years, you know, so that was not an, an issue. But, and I never was a fast food junkie. I never ate poorly, but I eat, I eat wisely now. I mean I you know we have gMOs you know in our crops and all this crap over here. I try to find the you know organic you know organic foods. we only drink uh pure bottled water that you know I pay high dollar for. I only cook with it. my kids can't even drink tap water because it makes them sick but it's all steps, you know what I mean, and not everybody's mm-hmm. steps will be like mine or like yours but but the the core thing is that. We have to do what's best for our bodies. And, I mean, you, I'm not going to tell you, Nikki, that you need to take the same vitamin supplements that I do and that you need to work out six days a week for 90 minutes, but I do have to say the same message, the same core value that goes through this. You have to do what's best for you. And you have to stop Absolutely. thinking that, that, you know, you have to stop gauging everybody else's opinions of you for your self-worth. You have to do what you feel is right in your soul. And once you do, and once you fight that battle, everything comes. Everything comes. And it's not an easy thing. It's not, I'm not going to say it's an easy journey, but it is a worthwhile journey because you know what? We are strong and we are meant to be healthy and happy. And seek joy. Mm-hmm. You know, seek joy first and everything comes after that.
1: Absolutely. I agree with you because your journey and my journey are not identical, yet the 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 outcome and the discoveries made along the way are very similar. So You know, and that's something I teach people as well, is that you don't have to do it my way. You have to do it your way, whatever your way is. So it's it's all about trial and error, what works for you. It it really means taking a long, hard look in the mirror. You have to look at your life. You have to make the changes that are right for you, and you have to follow your intuition and your heart. Because I didn't give up red meat or dairy, but I did give up up wheat. I gave up gluten, and that was a big thing for me. Um, you know, and, and other people who have, can still eat gluten, but they've given up something else. Do you know what I mean? So it, it just depends. And I'm, I I would be willing to bet that the supplements that I take and the supplements that you take probably aren't the same. Yet the point is, is that we both discovered at one point that there was stuff missing from our system, and so we started supplementing and providing our body with what it needed. And the thing about the human body is that it's a... It's a self-regenerating system. It's designed to heal itself. If we give it the things that it needs to be able to do that on a cellular level, it will do that. We just need to
4: trust it and listen to what absolutely. it's asking you know, us. That is the, the best, that is the greatest truth of all. We, our bodies are self-generating. They will fix themselves. We just got to provide the plateau. And the you know what? The greatest thing is not... Our supplements, or my workout, or anything like that. The greatest thing is allowing it, and and following mm-hmm. what our bodies and ourselves, you know, are telling us. You know, if, if, if our bodies are saying you need to drink more water, and you know, get rid of anything that's, you know, you know, uh, dietary, you know, um, you know, that has all these, you know, awful, you know, like, like here in the United States, the big thing is. Oh, buy a Diet Coke and then order four Big Macs. Yeah, well, whatever, you know, <laughs> fat-free uh-huh. and diet is chemicals, you
1: know. Yes, And so many things wrong with that. Aspartame is so
4: Aspartame toxic. Aspartame is the biggest, the biggest, the biggest cancer-causing, neuro- neurologically dismembering... Horrific, yes. ...factor there is. Yeah. And I never did, I've, I've never, I've never you know, ever consumed anything uh, diet or anything uh, fat-free because, I don't know, I didn't have to deal with that. I was a, I've
1: always no, well, been... People, people have tried multiple times when I was younger growing up to get me to drink diet stuff. And oh, God. I would, just, I would just, like, just the taste, a sip of diet cola made me want to throw up. Pulsive.
0: I it can't isn't understand the understand how
4: people can tr- <laughs> I don't know how they justify it. I don't and, but I'm not judging them, but at the same time, it's like if it tastes bad, <laughs> you know what I mean, if it offers this this uh unrealistic goal, it can't be true. It cannot mm-hmm. be right. you know mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not against sugar sugar's good. I mean, natural sugar, I mean, I don't consume a lot of it only because I choose not to. But um, that's just my choice. It isn't anybody else's choice. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to tell anybody how, what to eat, what to drink, what, what supplements to take. I just ask them to follow their own innate instincts. And if something doesn't feel right, don't do it.
1: Exactly.
4: Exactly. Do you think Richard has gone to
1: sleep? I think so.
2: I'm Just having a little nap, you know. <laughs> I know
1: I know. we must be at break time, Richard, so we need you now because we need to pick a song to play. I think Miracle Walking would be appropriate.
2: I, was, I was thinking that very similar thing. Just myself. <laughs> and uh, But, yeah, I would just add to that point that y'all were just making that I think... That it's very simple. Our our bodies are of the earth. You know that whole dust to dust. From started dust, then body, then dust again. It's not technically that way, but they come from here. This planet, these plants, these things, and so we operate really well, almost like we were designed to work together with. The things that nature provides but when the farther we get from that and Mm -hmm. you know science took this tack of well let's find out what it is in the plant that's good for you it wasn't good enough that oranges are good for you so we want to know what's in there that's good for you okay you're right and 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 that's that's silly that's like you know, gee, you know, I...
1: Why are you taking vitamin C when you could just eat an orange? Or, yeah,
2: it, it you know, that story we saw about they've genetically crossed some stuff so that these tomatoes will be purple, so that they'll have more of the chemicals that blueberries and stuff do because people don't eat enough berries. Oh. But they eat lots of tomatoes. And I'm like, it would be too hard just to eat the berries? We had to do 20 years of genetic manipulation to get a tomato that has this stuff in it and now is some sickening black color? Yeah, no.
1: You know, Joe, the, 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 the bitch of that is, the truth is most people love berries. People love berries, but they're so freaking expensive. Now, if they had to take in the money that they invested into the 20 years of research and how to figure out how to make a freaking purple tomato, invested it into researching ways to reduce the cost of producing large quantities of berries so that they could put them in the store for less, people would snap them up. Kids love berries. If you could serve your kids berries all day to eat them, you want want to get your kids to eat fruit?
4: Serve them freaking strawberries and raspberries. They're all over that.
3: Oh, yeah. And and
4: my kids, my kids prefer fruit because they've always had that diet. But, again, I watch, you know, I have, like I said, I have two sons, 115 and 123. And, What's so sad is that these are the processed fast food kits. And most of my son's kit, my son's peers do not know what a freaking raspberry is. My sons do. <laughs>
2: that's and a that's flavor really of bubblegum, have. isn't it? Raspberry, they got that in the in the gum. It's exactly. crazy. It's crazy. They don't they do. They think vegetables come from grocery stores. You tell them that well, they I, grow in the I, dirt, and They get they freaked out. They don't want to eat it. Oh, it's been in the dirt. Whoa.
4: I was at the grocery store last week and bought and bought Brussels sprouts. And the the young woman, which is like 20, checking me out said, "What are these?" I said, "They're <laughs> And then I had asparagus. And she said, "And what are these?" And I said, uh, asparagus."
2: Yeah, they have no idea. I'm in household,
4: it, you know, I'm my kids know every vegetable, every, you know, mushroom, you know, legal mushrooms, okay, um, every mushroom, you know, every veggie, you know, fresh veggie. I mean, my kids know that all day. But they're the exception to the rule in the United States here today because m- most of my kids, my, my son's peers, they're like, oh well, I'm gonna go get a big mac or I'm gonna go get the biggest Whopper thing, and it's like, really? When we eat fast food, it's called Subway. I,
3: I don't know, or
4: <laughs> you know what I mean? That's our fast food. Yeah.
3: yeah or a-
1: It's it's true though because other people's versions of junk food are so different than mine. Junk food to me is pie that's junk food because (laughs) there's a lot of sugar in there and 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 wheat and and you know pies cakes cupcakes that's junk food i don't even want to think about you know that that other stuff if i'm getting fast food fast junk food to me if i want fast food is a place that serves rotisserie chicken because the odds are pretty good that it's going to be mostly gluten-free um and that's the only place that really I can get fast food that I can eat fast food. So that's my fast food. I can't well, even go well, near a Subway's
4: Donald's Burger King.
3: <laughs> Look, I'm yeah, no, my, big, my biggest weakness
4: is, oh my gosh, I have to say this, is a cake donut with icing. You know, I will do one of those every month, maybe one a month, but I got to have it and I do it and it's like, it's not detrimental to anyone or to me, but it's like, that's my little fix, you know, and I'm gonna go with it all day. But you know, that's my idea of junk food. Um, but you know, like I said, when I take my children, you know, we have, you know, you know, a night out or whatever. It's like, well, we're gonna eat um, a Subway sandwich or or a locally, you know, homemade pizza. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. It's all you know what I mean. It's fine. They love it. It's all good. But as for my kids, didn't grow up you know getting fast food because mom was working. You know they didn't they didn't grow up at Burger King. They didn't grow up at McDonald's. Um, I didn't allow it. It didn't happen. And
1: sadly, sadly, admittedly, mine did because I it I discovered this later in life and I already had. I'd had my child for years before before I realized how detrimental to my health and her health these foods were. And so I don't have you ever tried to change a, a teenager's diet? It's not going to happen. No, it's um, not. So I've I've left it at, you know, we've we've made a a an agreement We don't do a lot of, we certainly don't do a lot of McDonald's and stuff like we used to. That's something that happens maybe once every, like, three months, if ever. And I don't eat it. It's them that eats it. Um, Exactly. But, you know, she's also at the age where I've just left it at this. Here is the information that you have. Um, because you're genetically my daughter, it's possible that you're predispositioned to these sensitivities to certain foods. So you have to decide for yourself, do you want to feel well or do you want to feel sick? And here's what you need to do if you want to be well, and here's what you know you can do if you want to be sick. And I've left it in her hands because I can't force her at this age because I didn't know any better. So I'm one of those people who get why people do it because I didn't know any better. I was raised that that was perfectly okay. And it wasn't until I got deathly ill and had to find out why I was so ill that I discovered that it had a lot to do with what I was consuming.
4: No, and there's nothing wrong with that because I'll be honest, my oldest son, um, because I worked so many hours and was an only parent, not a single parent, an only parent for seven years. Um, my mother, uh, Although she had a career, because my hours exceeded her, she'd pick my son up after school. And for about three months, she was taking him to, you know, get, you know, chicken McNuggets and all this shit. And I said, you got to stop that, Mom. I don't want him eating that. But Christopher, my oldest son, was um, hypersensitive to sugar. And so my son did not have sugar until he was six years old. Um... He, um, when I had, when we did birthday cakes, they had to be made all organically from scratch and all that. So, I mean, he is 23, he's very thin, and he's not a sugar addict or or anything. And neither is my youngest son because, you know, I would, you know, I would say, you know, you can have your juice, you can have this, here's your choices, but you know what, you can't have that. I know that sounds, you know, pretty domineering, but at the same time, I didn't want them to have bad choices. I wanted them to be healthy. But I can honestly tell you that my kids will not drink a diet soda. They won't drink uh public water and they're not big sugar fanatics. You know, um, neither yeah. one of them are.
3: Yeah.
4: That's the one well,
1: good about my my daughter is that she doesn't she doesn't go for pop. Um, she doesn't eat she has a weakness for chocolate, but other junk foods she's not a big candy freak uh she's not big on cakes and stuff like that not not big on that um so so there are a lot of things that would be probably not healthy for her that she just doesn't eat naturally anyways because she doesn't like them right
2: yeah and so you can take those as a starting place with people particularly yeah, with kids
3: absolutely. and
2: and magnify that and just and the other ones can sort of melt away and, but about the fast food and the bread and the things. And the, we'll talk a little bit about that after the break, uh, that they're not the same as wow. they once were. And, uh, that's part of the reason of, you know, well, people blah, blah, blah for blah, blah, blah years. Yeah, but it's not the same anymore. And, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll absolutely. get us some, you of e miracle walking. Uh, and, uh, little break and when we come back we'll discuss why some of that is because there's there's actual reasons that that it's different it really literally different and uh, even in the eyes of science ooh, blind, blinded by science there's a song no we can't play that <laughs> um, this is our dear friend Ina V with her song Miracle Walking and we'll be right back stick with us folks mm-hmm.
1: absent of the things you want. Believe it or not, the romantic relationships, friendships, and job of your dreams want you as much as you want them. Let the Lightworker twins, Gianna and Genevieve, help you by intuitively guiding you to get in touch with the unconscious emotions and beliefs that are blocking your personal success. They believe you should have the life of your dreams and are capable of creating the life you want. Contact them. They care. www.lightworkertwins.com.
2: Welcome back, everybody. Again, that was our friend Ena B. And you can find her at com. That's com, And uh, check her out. She's doing some amazing work over there. And uh, we're thrilled that uh, uh, she and Howard came and joined us on the show and gave us permission to play these songs of theirs because we play them a lot. It's good stuff. We do. And it fits a lot. That's
1: because she's awesome. Yeah. And she's amazing.
2: Good subject matter. And she's Brilliant. <laughs> yeah that that's covers part of it awesome did you say awesome yeah <clears throat> amazing brilliant i think yeah. so I Awesome, think so like the that. first thing i
1: said awesome amazing awesome. and amazing. brilliant
2: and, and oh. brilliant a.b A- A- yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Right, so we're we're back with another one of our great friends terry rays and Hello. we've been talking about well, we've been talking about many things, but we we're talking about fibromyalgia, which got us talking about foods, and that there are certain foods that have caused sensitivities for Terry that she's been able to cut out of her diet, and it's improved things, and different ones for you, and um, some of this picking on fast food, <laughs> and this and that, and the other thing. And fast food, <clears throat> when I was a kid, was not nearly as fast as it is now. Um it, when I was a kid, there was McDonald's, and it had by then, you know, the burgers under the heat lamps. But most places you went in order to burger, even a, a drive-in, because they weren't drive-throughs, they were drive-ins, because you had to stop and wait for them to fix the food. And it yeah, was right. made mostly out of local ingredients and this and that. But there's science. We talked about science. I, I said something about blinded by science. There was this fellow with the greatest of intentions um, that in essentially the 50s and 60s, um, the term was first used in 1968, uh, the Green Revolution, and it's a technological thing, a science thing. They did a whole lot of hybridization and crossbreeding and forced hybridizations. Uh, It it was not genetic engineering in the way that we would talk about it today, but they were manipulating the genetic makeup of the plants. And um, so it changed, in particular, wheat. This fellow, Norman Borlaug, was convinced that if you could increase the yield of wheat, that you could feed the world. And that's all he was trying to do, was feed the world. He had the greatest of intentions. But, so it began there with...
1: Well, you know what they say about intentions.
2: <laughs> yes, well, in roads and, I don't know, smack <laughs> right in the pavement. But, um, there's all kinds of different opinions about the Green Revolution. But one of the things that it did, it relies extensively on the use of pesticides. Exactly. It, and, exactly. I mean, that was in the design in the 1960s. It was still, you know, Dow Chemical Company, better living through chemistry. That was, that was the thing, man. In the 50s and 60s, uh, you know, when I was a kid, scientists and chemists were going to solve everything. Eventually we just gave them a little time and we now, I think as a whole really have decided that that's not necessarily true. Certainly not true about everything, but it really focused on, okay, here's this hybridized wheat and look what it can do. And so of course companies that were in the seed business tried to see, can we do this to other things that we have seeds for corn and soybeans and, and, That led directly to this genetic engineering that they're doing now. This is really just, the genetic engineering is just what they were doing since the 50s, except quicker and more artificial. Um,
4: But their intention, their original intention was to be able, like you said, to feed the world. And it was good intentions. However.
2: Excellent intentions, bad execution. Exactly,
4: but science was not the enemy. Oh, no, no. It was. The um, result of you know of trying to uh, manipulate what is what is natural to the earth, what is natural to the seeds, and in the in the end, now we have these these crops that are detrimental to our our bodies, which causes a myriad of diseases, in, in, you know, and afflictions. I mean, asthma, as you know, which in the United States has gone to the ceiling. Well, why is that? Well, it would be, I know, I mean, living in where I'm living, you know, every time in, when they start to, um, to bring out the, you know, to cultivate the crop, I can't breathe. You know, it's like, why? Well, okay, they're using pesticides. And the DMOs are latent, you know, in, you know with pesticides that break down our immune systems, that break down... You know our ability to fight off diseases and everything else. Uh, what became what, what what initially succeed as a higher, you know, uh, good intention, you know, uh, work became a way of basically um, in the United States. I can't say about Canada, but in the United States, causing more more diseases to inhibit our bodies and When you have a country that, you know, makes, you know, it's property by the health care administration, you know, um, Mm -hmm. it all makes sense.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It started out with the greatest intentions and then it got turned into a money-making conglomerate of stuff. And that has happened a lot in our history where somebody comes up with this great, amazing, idea and then somebody goes oh i can make money off of that
4: exactly and then
1: they realize okay so i made money off it and now as a side effect people are getting sick from it so rather than stopping the production of the thing that's making them sick then they figure out that they can make more money
4: <laughs> but- well when you have house profit you know and you know to go on with that, if you have health or profit excuse me for profit, no one wins because there's always going to be um, the aside uh, influences that are going to cause detrimental conditions to the body, and GMOs are case improving on every level there are European countries that won't even allow them Asian countries that mm-hmm. won't allow them. But in the United States, we allow that all day long. And that's, you know, again, um, to, to, on a side note, this is what I write about. These are some of the conditions that I write about in my series of novels. Is we, um, in the early 1900s, those that see um, the Rockefellers and, and such as the pioneers of this country were the ones who decided to, um, break down the, um, the school systems, education, you know, and we became, in the United States, a world of fast food, you know, a reality TV, and, um, ease. You know, because, you know, you're working so hard to support your family that, you know, you, you are, you know, on a straight track to, you know McDonald's to, you know the easy fixes. You know, and it takes it takes a lot of concentration and 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 strength to say no. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fall into that trap. But it's hard. It's very difficult. And so we have to make better decisions. And we have and it's it's, it's certainly. Hard.
1: speaking as a mother certainly as a working mom it's certainly not easy because you have to face some major decisions there will come a point when you decide that i'm going to do this for me and my family and that choice means that you're going to have to start saying no to some other things like when people outside of the family needs you for something and you need the extra time to provide for your family what they need to be healthy and happy, you have to take that extra time. So your priorities begin to shift. And that's where, as you said, sometimes people kind of fall away. They fall out of your reality. They just disappear because they think you're being selfish. But you're not being selfish at all. You are trying to provide a safe environment in which for you and your children and your spouse to grow.
4: Absolutely, but you know what? In in this um, time of our lives, I mean, I think it. it, You know what? I'm encouraged by knowing that this is a great awakening, and that more people are speaking up against, you know, mandatory um, inoc you know uh, inoculations for our children. That that you know, the United States has the greatest the greatest uh, autism um, attention deficit than any other any other nation in the world, and we're supposed to be the leaders well, let me see you know when the child comes out of the womb they're they're inoculated with all these things, and you know we have lost grip of what is natural and right. Richard, you and I live through measles, mumps, rubella, uh, all that crap, we live through it, you know and um our immune systems are greater for that. We're not allowing our our children to have that same thing. Well, well, I do because I stopped giving my son's immunization shots a long time ago. And, oh, my gosh, you have to sign affidavit papers, you know, because, you know, uh, you have to make up excuses. Oh, okay, well, let me see. The only one excuse they will, they will accept is religious. So I, I'll go on that one all day long because, you know what, <laughs> I mean, we, Richard, you and I lived through all these diseases. Nikki's too young, but we lived through all these diseases, we, and we came out
2: better. We did, and We we played in the dirt, and we drank out of the garden hose, and... Yes, we, I
1: played in the dirt and drank out of the garden hose.
2: Yes, but you're kind of special in your age group, and...
4: Yes, you are very special, Nikki.
2: And very special in
4: <laughs> the age
2: group just behind you. Uh, you know, my poor daughter, who's 24, I... Found out, you know, when she went to school that she wasn't allowed to come unless she had two bottles of hand sanitizer, alcohol-based right. hand sanitizer, but and because she yeah. had to be able to sanitize her hands on command from the teacher, and <gasps> the 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 problem, here. the back problem, back here. yeah, yeah, the 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 problem is with oh. all of this antibacterial oh. stuff is you oh. just it's one, it's not used properly.
0: No. Um,
2: if you go through the grocery aisle, unless it's got chlorine bleach in it, like the cleaners with bleach, look at any other okay. of the ones that say that they kill 99.9% of the germs and bacteria. Turn the bottle around and read the instructions, and it'll tell you that you've got to get the surface completely wet, and you have to leave it wet for 10 minutes. Exactly. You can't any of it get dry during that 10 minutes. So you might have to stand there with the bottle and spray more as time is marching on for 10 minutes. Exactly. And people this do with, They spray it on and wipe it off. Okay, well, all you're doing is making superbacteria. That's, that's what that stuff does because, because they don't know what they're doing with it. We never worried about the only no. thing. My mom had a bottle of and, uh which was antibacterial. It had hexachlorophen in it. And um, so if I cut my finger or something, she'd wash my finger with Pfizer-Hex and then put a Band-Aid on it. Yeah, and that's it
1: different. So back that's out like to play. on or alcohol yeah, on your it's, finger it's, and out. You right. you go. There's a Get reason. Get back out in the dirt, child. <laughs> but you, you're going
2: you're gonna to wipe alcohol over your hands 10, 15, 20, 30 times a day? Well, what?
1: No. And you, No you, way in you teach the children that would ever happen in my house.
2: You're teaching the children to be afraid of nature.
4: Exactly, but you know what, and at the same time, how sad is it that parents here in the United States are not allowed to make a choice and say, no, I'm not giving my my child this blue shot. No, they're not going to get, you know, the latest, greatest, um, you know, shot. And thank God I have sons and not daughters because here, where they've been in Canada and they've been in in Europe, is that Gardasil shot. I, I, I don't know, I think it's called... Anyway, it's for um, to prevent young women from getting, you know, um, uterine cancer,
3: which is Actually, a big... Actually,
1: they, they tried that crap when my daughter was still in the public school system. When her first year, her last year, her senior year in grade school, we had to sign a bunch of forms because they were trying to force that, that female immunization thing. Right. Now... I, I, have they banned it since then? That's awesome. They I'm very it. happy. They banned it in Canada. And my they my, my it in ex Europe. husband, my ex husband, argued with me for hours, telling me that she had to have that shot. And I stood my ground and I said, "Like hell she's getting that shot. Not in this freaking
4: lifetime. It's not happening. No,
1: no. not happening."
4: And my physician told me when my kids are in for a physical, he said. If they were girls, they would have this shot, this shot, and I go, oh, over my dead body, you know. And what's so sad is my son wants to play. My youngest son wants to play sports next year. Well, the, my school district said they have to have all this realm of shots and that. So I have to go in there with my affidavit and say, no, it's against my religious rights. Well, it's not. It's against my moral rights. You know. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's insanity on every level, it's like, you know what, we are supposed to be natural, and again, we went through all these diseases or whatever, and we lived, and we were fine, and we were functional, we so are, but you know what, to, to take a newborn baby and, and, and load them, you know, after six weeks of birth with all these, you know, immunizations, it's, it's to me, never felt right, it was always incredulous, and thank God that my oldest son ha- was born with at the time, it was, you know, tragic. And, and I'm working immune system, which meant that none of his shots took, which is a good thing because um, at the end of the day, my son is a very healthy young man. And it worked, you know what I mean? It, it, you know, they said that, oh, my gosh, we can't give him all these. And they're not working for him. And it's like, you know what, his body knew better. You know, his mm-hmm. body knew he didn't need these things. And he's never had any bad illness or, you know, after that or sickness or anything like that. He's always been healthy. And so is my youngest son. But, again, it was a really hard decision to go against, you know, the traditional realm to say, I'm not giving my kids these shots.
2: Well, there's, places, gonna, there's places here in the States where uh, health departments and departments of childrens woman, but, you and you know families what, and stuff. Would you know, take Richard,
4: you and I grew up um, without these shots, and we lived fine.
2: Oh, I know, but I'm saying there, there's there literally been attempts to force parents I know. by by you know the Department of Children and Families, and they'll take them to court and say get a judge to say you got to give it to them. And um, pretty uh, pretty strange uh, social arrangement to me when the health department is taking people to court saying, you know, you got to give this stuff to your kids. And, um, but again, I believe that it all started with a good idea, but it, it reached a point And then by the time it's like this green revolution, it really took probably 25 or 30 years. It's a real testament to the human body and, and immune system. It took about 25, 30 years before they figured it out.
4: Exactly, but, but I'll give you an example on this. I mean, I live in Iowa, you know, which is known for their corn, you know their, their, you know, their beef and all that. Well, okay, they, with all their cattle and all that, they put in, you know, they give them, they give those beautiful animals, you know, all this, it, you know, antibiotics, growth hormones, and you even wonder why. A four-year, a fourth-grade child, female has breasts, and then you wonder why me. who is was allergic to every antibiotic. Can't eat meat because if I do, I wheeze. I go into an asthmatic, you know, problem. You know, yes. so um, oh well. Does it work? It does not work. I mean, and then you know, like you say, you see your children becoming, you know, pubescent at the age of eight. Both of my sons, who you know drank milk and ate dairy products you know from the time they were children you know babies you know become uh having you know pubic hairs and you know voice changing and having to shave by the time when they were ten there's something wrong with that you know on every level so i um took you know i remember only...
1: i remember my um, I had a friend. Uh... Um, before I moved, before I moved to Quebec back, uh, back when Madison was about eight, and my friend's two daughters were seven and eight, and I remember my friend coming to me and saying, "My eight-year-old has breasts. What the hell do I do with that?" And I was like, "I don't know what." To I don't know what to tell you.
2: That's like, weird.
1: Um, that's jacked up. What are you going to do? And she's like, "Get her a training bra. What else can I do?" But how does an eight-year-old cope with that going to school?
2: You know uh, what I mean. When well, and it's it, it it's the reason that I
1: horrifying.
2: It's it's the it reason is. that I'm such a so get so soapboxy a bit about look. Let's take a look for a minute underneath what's going on with this green revolution and this and that and the other. Is because when you start to really look at it. The Green Revolution aside, that was really kind of before we knew, but like antibiotics in livestock. Uh, Right. I worked on a farm in in summers. My brother-in-law had a farm in Kansas, and he had corn and wheat and alfalfa and cattle. He rotated his crops. His cows were not given any kind of medication. And if one of them got sick, what you did was pull it out of the pen and put it in the sick pen. There was a pen for a sick cow. And then you treated that cow because it was sick. But you didn't treat all the cattle just to keep them from getting sick. So let's, let's think about this now. Let's just start putting people into an apartment. Let's see how many we can put in there and how many we can put in there. And pretty soon we've got them in there. They're not running over each other yet. They can still stand up and sit down. But they're all getting sick from being cramped up on each other, right? Right. What's, what's the answer to that? Take some of them out of the apartment. Exactly. But in the cattle business, it was not, for the, particularly for the corporate interests, only because they're not farmers on the land. They're, they've lost their connection to the land. They're an executive somewhere looking at a spreadsheet. And, well, productivity's down. We can't have that. And so instead of take some people out of the apartment, they start giving them all antibiotics. So, well, we can put them in these unhealthy conditions, and we'll just give them antibiotics, and they'll be healthy. That just doesn't even pass the giggle test, does it?
4: But you know, Richard, <clears throat> here in this area, we have ranchers paid and farmers paid not to plant, not to.
2: Oh yeah. You know,
4: have, yeah. My brother-in-law had, like, had
2: had uh, like four hundred acres that he was paid to leave alone.
4: And, but hmm. here's the thing, Monsanto. Oh my God, Monsanto is the biggest. You know. Um, Oh, my God, the biggest threat to our, to our civilization, Monsanto and, and their seeds, you know, because of all these, you know, and, and there's, you know, you know, uh, breaking off sister sister companies do that. Anyway, um, they are, farmers in this area are kept to strict confines of Monsanto. You either plant their seeds, and if you're not, and then you have to throw away whatever's not used that year. Yeah, so it's all going in the trash. Okay, but anyway, they are paying farmers not to plant, they're, and the other farmers that they're paying, um, they're um, making them use their seeds which are infused with pesticides, and then telling them that any leftovers you have to you have to get rid of, and if they don't, they shut them down.
2: So yeah, it has it has reached you know, the point is, of. It's, it's the ridiculous. Of ludicrous.
1: Yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely. But, but Terry, you've done something really unique because as much as we're, we've kind of gone somewhere we usually don't go on this show, which is we try to stay very solution-based. And so we, we try not to get too soapboxy about these issues. And we've kind of allowed ourselves to do that tonight because of the fact that you've taken a very unique path to creating awareness. Instead of getting out there and you know, holding the sign and, and beating on Monsanto's door and telling them that you're wrong, you're bad, you're this, you put that energy into writing stories that will educate people at the same time as entertaining them. And I think that that's a very potent and powerful tool for raising awareness. And it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, the best authors of our our time and of our past have done that. When they wanted to create awareness about something, they turned it into a story, something that can suck people in and have people relate to the characters and get, you know, into the story and and involved in the characters' lives. And they're so immersed in the story that they're not even aware that
4: they're actually learning something about our world. Thank you so much for that, Nikki. Um, first off, I have to give credit where credit is due. I was inspired by one of the most incredible human beings that I will go to my end of my life saying thank you, thank, thank you, is an extraordinary artist named Rick Smith. He is my he is he is Jack Smith. He is the impetus, the um, inspiration to these novels. But on the other level, yes. I mean, I know that everyday connection is about positive infusion and it works and it is a gift to this world. However, I yes, I bring up these facts and these truths and um So that I can help other people and, you know, educate them in the only way I know how, by writing. And to to culminate this, to put it together is, had I not had fibro and RA and all that, you know, all that trials and journey, I would not be writing today. And um, because of that, because, you know, when you think you lost everything... It is empowering because you will go on, and you you know, many of us will go on and go. I want to do what I want to do. But another side note was four years ago, after I beat all this stuff and I'm writing, I um I was um being. Uh, my eye doctor was documenting how my my eyes were self. Um. The teens, you know, they were my eyesight was, you know, naturally improving, and he had no re, he had no, there was nothing to, um, there was no clinical reason why they were, and what he did was he he made me write down everything that I did every day and what I didn't do. One I didn't do, I didn't do blue shots. I um, didn't do red meat. I didn't do dairy. You know all this stuff, and I. But what I did do is what he, he documented too as well. A meditation, you know, herbal supplements, this and that. My eyes went from a minus four fifty um, to almost perfect vision. Well, then from that time to the following year, I had got contracted sometime con somehow an eye infection. That because the only medicine I take is allergy medicine. Hit it. I went blind and um could not write. I mean I couldn't I couldn't read, I couldn't write. I mean it was a slow process but I went blind. So I had to have implants. Well, they they were very um realistic about this. They said, you know, there's so much damage done in here with this infection and with all the medicine they gave me they couldn't wipe it out. So they They did the implants anyway because I was blind so, you know, anything would help. Well, what was so supreme and magic is that they did the implants and when they thought that I would, you know, just have, you know, um, always need, you know, eyeglasses or something, you know, to make it through the world, I came out with perfect, perfect vision near and far. And they could not... And that's the thing. That's the
1: difference. I I just actually went through that myself where um, I had a a devastating infection. My body went septic because I ignored a tooth infection. And by the time I got to the dentist and they finally pulled it out and cut out the cysts that they had found, um, and it's interestingly enough, it, it was a tooth that had been root canaled and it's not the first time it's happened. So there's another thing that we've done for years and years and years that they're now discovering might not be the healthiest solution. Um, but, so they they cut the tooth out, but my, my body had already gone septic, and they didn't give me antibiotics right away because now people are starting to realize that maybe it's best to give the body a chance to heal itself. And, of course, none of us realized how bad the infection was until... On the third day, when you're starting to, you're supposed to be starting to feel better, I was actually getting worse and worse and worse. And that happened to fall on a weekend, so I had to wait till the Monday before I could get in to see the dentist. And that was a long weekend, so it turned out it was the Tuesday. By the time I got in there on the Tuesday, I was like borderline, do we give her antibiotics or do we send her to the hospital and hook her up to an IV? Like I didn't know my name. I couldn't answer the dentist questions. I was an absolute devastating mess but because i had been to the dentist beforehand and already spoken to them about my diet and what i did eat and didn't eat they opted to try the antibiotic in pill form rather than send me to the hospital because they were of the belief that my body with a little bit of assistance would heal because my body was already stronger now, if this yes. had happened to me six months ago, before I was doing all this stuff for my body, I would have been screwed. I, if I even made it to the hospital, I would have been hooked up to an IV, and it might have taken you know, a few days for me to get off the intravenous antibiotics, or I might not have survived at all. And I'm fully aware of this. This time, however, even though my entire body had gone septic and I ran a fever for two weeks straight,
4: my body did heal. And you know and what, oh that's so amazing. Because you know what, once you get past those, you know, you know, the trials of, of fibro and all that, your body becomes stronger on every level. Um, yeah. My, um, it was, what, what my, my eye doctor said happened was, I might have been at the grocery store, and I touched and I was holding the cart, and I maybe uh, wiped something out of my eye, you know, and that infection set in, but because I had, I was done present itself, so I go once a year, so when I went back a year later, you know, it was, they, they couldn't even see my corneas or anything because of the infection and in the, and the, you know, excuse me, the, that's, Pod. But anyway, um, that, they did the first eye. And when I, during, I mean, I was not even down, we, we just finished surgery, and I said, I can read, I can see. And, and my eye said, that's not possible. And I said, well, I can. He said, read that thing across the room, and I read it to him. He goes, well, that's not natural. And I said, well, <laughs> uh,
3: Yes, it is. <laughs> it
4: was, but, and then I had the second eye done. And then I had to go back to my regular eye doctor, you know, three months later, and he had this new machine, and he, he was like, oh my God, and I, I'm like, what's the matter? He said, I'm going to show you a picture, and I saw this picture of my corneas, and it looked gross, and I'm like, "Ooh," and he said, you have newborn eyes, and he goes, I don't, I don't doubt that with you, I don't know what your body does, but he said, Nobody gets newborn eyes, and they did not give you this. It happened. And you know what? It, it's all because, you know, I think in the big scheme, scheme of it all is that I was supposed to be able to see to write. And I, you know, had a year when I was blind, and I mean, how sad was it that I had to have my children walk me everywhere and hang on to their arms, and they had to read me everything. And I'm sure they got tired of it, and I know they did, but they were supportive. But, um... It's, you know, again, you know, everything that happened, happened for a greater purpose and made me more determined to say, I'm going to tell the story. I'm going to say, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to make the truth known and whatever you want to take from it is yours and if it changes your life, great. And if I touch your world, even better. I'm not writing to be rich, I'm writing to make a difference and that is the greatest gift of all, and so, in, in conclusion, you know, everything that happened to me, happened for a greater good, and the whole message in my novels, which, you know, if anybody, you know, looks at my website, you know, we'll see, nothing in this world happens by accident, but it always happens for a greater good, and you know what, Nikki, you're a constant reminder of that, and, um, I guess I guess my life is. I Absolutely. Mean, I don't want to sound inflated or anything like that, but to be honest, there's nothing. You're right that our bodies right. cannot cure. There's it's nothing not, That we cannot.
2: It's not inflated. It you know once you've climbed Mount Everest, no. if, if somebody wants to learn how to climb Mount Everest, looking at what you've done might be a good start. And this Mount Everest of really, in, in, like you the say, is, is in summation. This this conversation this relationship with your body and with the earth and with your food and your it's it's not all separate little pigeonholed scientific things it's a relationship we all work together the the foods the the plants the animals the us it it, it goes together and it works really well it doesn't need all this help
1: absolutely type. <laughs> Absolutely, and the it's thing so is, true. is that none of us are sitting here. None of us are sitting here saying we did it and we're special. We're no. sitting here saying today the reason we do this is to tell people that if we can do it, you can do it.
3: That's Absolutely. the thing.
1: I didn't go through this so that I could put myself on a pedestal and shout to the world how awesome and am I. I went through all of this so that I could come to the understanding that. This is not complicated, it's very, very simple and it's easily accessible to every single person listening to this show today. I am no different from you, you are no different from them, we're different from each other. At the core level, we're all the same, the only difference is is you and I and Richard made a choice to take our health and well-being into our own hands. And
4: once people do that, there's no stopping them. No, there is no stopping them. But we are not, we are not higher than they are. We're not better than they no, are. We're, you all. know what? We we were not. We didn't. No divine purpose came down and said, "Oh, you're the elected." You know, uh, you know, you're not, You're the elected savior. We aren't. We're human beings. We're ordinary people that had to do and had to go through different bumps in the road to achieve our way of life. And you know what? In doing so, we can be the impetus to help those that want to be helped. We can give our, you know, a moment of our time, a day of our time, and gladly, and, you know, without expectation of of being uh, gifted for that, it's our gift. To give back to this world and say, this life is beautiful, that nothing in this world ever happens by a mistake. And every day, Nikki, that you and I can sit down at our desk and write, and every day that we can, you know, embrace our children and, and, be, our fr- and be a friend and to laugh at Richard and to appreciate his beautiful, his beautiful humor, we are just humans. And we are mm-hmm. very, very lucky to be in this yes. position. And
2: Absolutely. human is a, human is a Infinite, really awesome infinitely thing. blessed. Human is a <laughs> really awesome, awesome thing. It's a miracu- miraculous thing. And um, uh, you mentioned when you were speaking just a minute ago, Terry, about if they come by the website, tell us where that is. We're, we're getting to that time in the show. We need to point out to people okay. where they can go to find out more and to find your books and... And see more about what you're up to because we could talk for a week and never get to
3: mm-hmm.
2: half of what <laughs> both of you ladies do. So, um, where can they find you?
4: I am on com. and it is, and you will be able to see excerpts of the first six books and have the opportunity to purchase the first one. I am working on the on the seventh in the series, the final in the series. But I'm also working on oh, this is really thing this is really fun. I'm working on a um Irish mafia tone new new novel, um, because I'm Irish. And um mm-hmm. I'm also next going to after that going to work on the novel of how how I beat these diseases and, and you can too. It it is Absolutely. just
2: that's simple. It's just that it's simple. It's not simple,
4: people. People. but it is true.
2: Oh no, it is. It is simple. Yeah. It can be challenging. It's pretty simple. Simple doesn't yeah, it can mean be
3: challenging.
2: easy. Simple doesn't necessarily mean easy, but well. it is simple. I mean, Einstein's mm-hmm. the thing that was so beautiful about Einstein's theory was that it was so simple. And but it wasn't easy. It took him years and then it took another 20 years to prove it. But It it, it is, I find, when you start getting towards those core truths, it just is, it makes sense. It's, you know, give it the giggle test, people. Put them in a crowd. Oh, they get unhealthy. Oh, just give them a pill and they can be in unhealthy conditions. No, they can't. And neither can we. It's not conducive to But the greatest
4: thing that we can do is laugh at ourselves and embrace joy. Every single moment, you know, look for the joy in life and embrace our infallibilities and laugh at them and go, I can, I can do better or not. But you know what? I am me and I'm human and I have a dream and in that dream, everybody else will benefit. And, and that's what everybody needs to know. Never give up on any dream. It took me a lifetime to do so. And I came from, you know, I'm for, I mean, I don't want to say that, um, what I want to say is that this, I have and had a great moral, loving, unconditional family, and although their choices were not the same as mine, I gained so much from, from their gifts, and I will never, ever, ever, ever in time diminish their choices or their um, expense, but it wasn't mine, but through their mm-hmm. through their love and their um, support and non-support, I became who I am, and I thank them always, and so you know what? At the end of the day, we all have, have many gifts. Embrace them and continue on on your own path, because that is your true goal. That's the way you should be. And we are all been given gifts. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: And as Wayne Dyer is fond of saying, don't die with your music still in you. Get yeah. it, out. Yeah, it out. exactly. Let it out.
1: Let it out. For sure. Absolutely.
2: Because it's awesome stuff. Wow! We totally come awesome to that
1: time stuff.
2: again. We have come to that time again, and um, there's a there's a quote that I would love if uh, you would leave us with Nikki before we uh, uh, well. First, I have to say again, Terry, thanks so much for sharing your time, talent, and treasure with us and and the world. Uh, such a gift, and uh, we really appreciate you being here and all that you all that you be doing and all that you be being. And, um, but there's this quote that came to mind in uh, what you were just saying right there at the end, and so I'm going to let Nikki read it because she wrote it. So, seems fitting.
1: <laughs> and apparently it's been, uh, it's been passed around the Internet a lot lately. Um, certainly I didn't know that was going to happen when I wrote it, but uh, it's absolute truth and it's been my experience. So, here it is. You know you are where you need to be when you can look back on every crappy thing that has ever happened to you and feel nothing but gratitude for all of it, because it brought you to now.
4: Oh, how perfect. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Nikki. It has been a pleasure to be in your aura, and you know what? We can make a difference.
2: Absolutely. Thank
4: you oh, absolutely. So- we just did. <laughs>
2: we just did. Is that you simple? Did. <laughs> thank
4: you, thank right. you, thank
2: you. All right. And listen, thanks all of y'all for listening in, and uh, uh, come find us at EverydayConnection.me. You'll find all of our old shows there, uh, including the links to all these things. I'll try to remember when I get Terry's show posted up that uh, to put a link in there. The uh, Gutenberg people, Gutenberg.org, has uh, Emily Bronte's novel Weathering Heights*. Uh, available for free oh, nice. in Kindle format, nice. ePub format, plain text. You can even read it right online. You don't have to do any download if you don't want to. So, I'll try to include that in there and some information about the screen revolution stuff because I think once you once you start figuring out how we got here, it's really easy to go somewhere else. Fix it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We
2: just we don't have to necessarily fix it. We just go somewhere else if we don't like what it is. It's just that thing. Exactly. And um uh, so Join us again for these amazing conversations with amazing people that we're blessed to have just pretty much fall in our lap. We, George does that part of our job. We love that. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we'll have new shows posted up on our website and, um, and on our iTunes feed every Tuesday and a Thursday. If, it, if I do live and breathe. Oh, no. Richard,
4: uh-huh. may okay. I say one more Thanks. thing?
2: Sure you may. Thank you, Arthur. Thank you, Arthur. Arthur. Addison Arthur.
4: Addison Arthur. Oh, yes.
2: Absolutely.
1: Connecting us all. Absolutely. Yes. The connector. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much.
2: All right. So listen, guys, join us again next time. But until then.
1: To our mother, to each other, and especially always to yourselves, please stay connected.
2: Have a great now, everybody. Join Richard and Nikki again next time. Until then, visit their website at everydayconnection.me and subscribe for news and updates. Stop by their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection and join the conversation. You can also subscribe on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection.